most people take the chip off the table. And some me and Gary talked about for a long period of time, we're programmed. If you graduate college, you've gone 16 years. Every year, unless you get it all Fs, you get a promotion and a raise, essentially, for showing up. Show You show up, you get a promotion and raise for 16 years, right? It's really hard to then go into the workforce and not think that just because you worked for a year, you should get 10% raise. And that's where it's messed up because it's like, then you get sucked into this whole, I showed up, give me this. So me and Gary taught me a lot about that of like, can you stack chips? Welcome to Behind the Thread, the podcast where we interview your favorite content creators on Twitter so you can learn more about the person behind the tweets. So I just finished editing this episode with Tyler Schmidt. For those that don't know, Tyler was the right-hand man and assistant for Gary Vaynerchuk for a number of years. He is now the general manager of 1.37pm, a digital media brand owned by Gary. He's also the host of the Card Talk pod. This was such a fun episode to record. Uh, Tyler was really open and reflective on his journey from how he started working at VaynerMedia to then becoming AJ Vaynerchuk's assistant to then being Gary's right-hand man. We also cover what it's like leading 1.37pm and starting his own podcast. You know, I think I think one interesting thing is there's this quote that I always go back to that says, play long-term games with long-term people. And I think Tyler really embodies this. He's been building leverage for a number of years, and he now has a range of pretty incredible opportunities that are open to him. A lot of great tips and nuggets in this episode. I'm really excited to share it. Let's get right into it. Tyler, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. We've been uh, very much looking forward to the combo. We just opened with some nice banter before we got going. A little, little Premier League footy, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into this. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Okay, let's do it. Let's get straight into it. Can you give the people just like a one minute, like kind of elevator pitch on what you're working on right now, like all the stuff with 137, the Card Talk Pod? Can you give them a quick intro? Yeah, for sure. So I currently work at a, at a larger holding company, VaynerX. I've been working there about eight and a half years now, by and large as kind of Gary's admin, chief of staff, officer, of the CEO. And about a year ago, I took reins of a media property, a men's media company. If you think the likes of Complex or GQ or Bleacher Report, it's the same kind of, I would say, business, right? These you know, media companies that we know, not your MSNBC, CNN, Fox, what have you, more just new age media companies that we launched about two and a half years ago. I took over last February. Currently, it's about February 4th. So pretty much spot on a year ago. And we're looking to build a, a, a property. We are kind of our RMO is the, the world is changing very fast. You know, I think in terms of we've seen since whether it's the pandemic or going back even a little bit more of that. The internet continues to rear its head. Culture is driven by and large by what's happening on the internet. We've seen the previews of TikTok. Before that was Instagram. Vine was even a little bit of preview. Snapchat. Like it's just, it's just changed. And, and obviously Gary himself is such a core pillar in that industry. And so 137 PM really is a platform that exists that we use to be able to scale not only Gary, but all of Vayner in a way that we can bring love to emerging talent, emerging creators, emerging artists, emerging musicians, and, and as well as educate on what the, the internet, the empowerment of the internet, I would say, right? Like there's, there's so many different ways to bring value to the ecosystem. And we look at it by and large in two ways. How can we discover, curate, bring awareness and tell the stories of up and coming, emerging, emerging, slept on, misrepresented artists, creators, entrepreneurs, grinders, hustlers, mental health advocates, whatever it may be that doesn't get the, the internet and media in general has been boiled down to advertising dollars and clicks. And because of how Gary is operates and as an innovator and entrepreneur and builds his business, we are operating differently. And so that allows us to tell different stories in kind of like a long tail way. And so then Web3 and NFTs came along. So that's another huge thing that we do. But the two core pillars I was getting off that topic, two core pillars, what we do cover emerging and help educate on what's happening 
right now, by and large, that is a lot of NFTs, Web 3.0, digital collectibles, sports cards and trading, alternative assets, Rally Road, Otis, etc. There's just a lot of empowerment that's happening. A lot of it's happening fast coming off of the pandemic. And that's kind of the, the, the content and community that we're building. And, and so I am running that on a day to day basis. Team is now 43 people, largely remote. And so I act as general manager, editor in chief. Okay, cool. I, I appreciate the Otis plug, by the way. That was, that, that was, that was nicely done. Okay. I want to, we're going to get into like the 137 PM because I'm interested to, to know what that kind of change has been like for you. But b- before we do, I kind of want to start at the beginning. Obviously, you've worked with AJ Vaynerchuk, you worked with Gary. Can you kind of just even take it earlier than that? How did you even start? How did you even get into VaynerMedia? Like, how did that whole thing even come about? I, I, I'm going to start in an interesting place. My, my father always told me, um, there's a Mark Twain quote, don't let schooling get in the way of your education. So, and I, I bring that up because I went to Penn State. I was a hotel restaurant management major. And I always loved tech. That was just a passion of mine. Computers, early days, playing Sims, whatever. That led to kind of a fatuation when Apple was doing its thing. iPhone came out. I was on Twitter early, Instagram. I was always using social early. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And when I was going to graduate Penn State, and by and large, and I say this for the value of the people that are listening, they, you know, colleges want you to get blue chip jobs, aka corporate positions, so that they can then remarket to their new students, you know, where they place you into those gigs. And, uh, and so a lot of my classmates were going and getting great jobs, whatever, Hyatt, Darden, Marriott, you know, big one was at the time Shake Shack. So kind of just these more kind of almost corporate jobs. I went the other way and out of college, got a job at a place called the taco truck. It was a food truck that was selling authentic Mexican street food and Mm -hmm. had one spot on Newark Ave in Hoboken. I helped them open a place at Morristown, New Jersey. It was great, operational, fun, way more entrepreneurial. I always thought whatever I can do to punch above my weight, pretty much put myself in a position that is above my pay grade and then just help as much as possible. That's kind of how I've navigated everything. So I was doing that. And then the place opens and I was miserable running a restaurant. And this is three months out of college, pretty much 150 grand into a hotel restaurant management degree. You know, Mm -hmm. me realizing this is the last thing in the world I want to do. All I want to do is help them with their Twitter market, get people in. I, I was very transparent with them about that. And the guy who owned the business put me in touch with his wife. One thing leads to another. I get a job at Vayner. Mm. Entry level, 250 people. I didn't know who Gary was when I took the job. I didn't know who AJ was when I took the job. And I was just a 22-year-old kid working at an advertising agency in Manhattan with really no marketing experience or anything like that. And I used to just challenge myself going into work every day, being aware, like put yourself in uncomfortable positions, meet people. Write down someone that you met new every single day. Now, this is an office environment, so it's a little different, you know, a little easier, I, I would say, to navigate those things working at a new company. But that led me to getting an invitation to play basketball with Gary and AJ at 6 a.m. in New York City as the 10th person on a five on five run. And I was living in mm-hmm. Montclair, New Jersey. I got the text. I didn't even think about it. I said yes. And so then for the next kind of six months, I was taking twice a week at 4 a.m. train out of Jersey to go hoop with those guys. One thing leads to another, AJ's looking for an assistant. And I pretty much was like, I'm getting this job at, at all costs. That mm-hmm. got me, the, I was AJ Vaynerchuk's assistant from there. And I did that for a year and a half. He left Vayner. He was the COO, young COO. I was his assistant, did everything from walking his dog, getting him water, ordering him lunch to managing his emails, planning his bachelor party, like anything and everything 24 7 kind of kind of deal and i loved it after two years of that i was getting ready to go move to london to open our office there and gary asked me to be his assistant Mm. that was probably five years ago and i rolled into that and so that that, that's kind of the start that's how that all began and it was really about there was something about me leaving the taco truck that we all and i was with a friend yesterday if you know you're wasting your time and not happy, you got to do something about it. Mm. No, I love that, man. You know what? Like just listening to the story, it kind of comes through that you, you're a hustler, 
right? Like you make things happen. Like even when you were talking about the taco truck, you talk, you spoke about like you wanted to punch above your weight or like when you were going into Vayner, it was like, I want to put myself in uncomfortable situations. Like where does that mindset even start from? Because I think to your point, a lot of people that go to really good universities and stuff, there's usually the opportunity to work at a a fancy corporation. There's like a nice job there that's kind of waiting. When everyone else was like doing that, what even made you want to do it this other way and then like punch above your weight and even have that mindset at that that point? point, It's two things. The the punch above the weight you know, I, it's actually something that gets kind of almost like a weird rap now. It's kind of almost like a meme on Twitter about like gratitude journaling and all that. And all these founders yeah. like talk about it. But no, nah, I was going through some real stuff in college one day. This was 2010. It's now 2021. And Dude. I was so, yeah, 2022. <laughs> I was so, I was in a really depressed place, if I'm being super honest. And uh, I just started writing. I pretty much just started talking to myself by writing. And the way, and I would challenge myself, like, yo, like, I'm going to go to the gym today. And then the, at the end of the day, I would wake up and do that. Or the night before, this is what I want to do tomorrow. You know, and then I just do self-evaluation, like self-evaluation, like, yo, are you being true to yourself? Are you being accountable to yourself? I think so much of the time we don't even realize it. And this gap, I'm very fortunate. My father gave me a different perspective, but I think the gap, whether it's going to college getting a job society tries to put everyone in a box based on their own insecurities nine times out of ten you see someone that's a senior in high school what do you ask them where are they going to college yeah nine times out of ten you meet a senior in college where are you getting a job yeah. not how you doing what's going on because because everyone puts it like that what okay where's your job where what's the job you know and and so i was just lucky that my father kind of he would always like if someone asked me that in front of his presence, he'd like protect me from having to answer that question. And so I think that gave the perspective of like, hey, you got to realize at some point there's a train track to get off and you can you can do whatever you want. Like you mm-hmm. can do whatever you want. Now, that seems like an audacious statement. Yes, sure. You got to make money. Yes, you got to take care of yourself. But this internet thing is crazier than ever. And you can connect with people working remote. Look what we're doing right now, bro. Like. Mm-hmm. I just hopped on a random link on the internet. I got this good mic. You got this good mic and we can broadcast this to the world. So realizing that the whole actual narrative, if you're 25 or younger or 30 and younger has changed and you're much more in tune with it than probably you realized, that's where it all started to come from. Punch above your weight, find opportunities that have leverage. Like I think the, there's a lot of things that we don't talk about in university, but the notion and concept of building leverage for yourself mm-hmm. is one of them. Mm-hmm. And most people just want to get six figures mm-hmm. and, and then don't realize it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested. When, when did it, when did that click for you? Like when did it click that you could do whatever you want and the power of the internet and that you didn't really need to be some super established, like with, I don't know, 30 years of experience, which is what people traditionally, like how they would approach their careers. When did it click? Like, what was that moment? Definitely believe that spending an immense amount of time around Gary has given me a different perspective. But I also think that there's so much that I had in mind growing up that led me to that. And I think the number one thing is realizing that nobody has it figured out. In, in honesty, and no one does it perfect. And I say that you can look at Jeff Bezos, right? It's all about perspective. People look up to him. If I could be Jeff Bezos, right? Like if you, it, the, the, I'm a junior in high school and it's like, wow, could you imagine me being Jeff Bezos? Like that would be insane. Jeff Bezos just went through a divorce and like, you don't know, right? So like no yeah. one is perfect and everyone's got shit and everyone's just trying to figure it out. And by and large, what I've come to realize is the major we are so much a product of the household we grew up in, the people that were around, the- and we play to comfort. And if you break off this train track, a lot of times it hurts the people around you, but that's where the relationship with yourself has to be most important. I think a lot of us never ask ourselves what it is we want to accomplish. We just keep going and doing before stopping and being like, yo, what yeah. is this what I want to be doing? Is this what I want to do today? If I wrote down what I wanted to do today, 
when the day started and then I look back on it, how many times is that actually the case? Because that should be the first priority before anything else. Yeah. How did I come to these things? I think it's just a lot of, again, I'm grateful about the product, the environment, the perspective of being around Gary, but it starts with that, having the combo with yourself of like, what am I interested in? What do I like? Have it been beaten down by me, by the people around me, that it's not the truth? Most people yeah. that are really good at doodling, if you think about middle school or high school, you, there was always like three people that were just nasty at doing art. Yeah. Yet it was always like a seen as like a joke or like, oh, that person could do that. And nine times out of 10, unless things go very right, no one is telling those people that that's what they should continue to do. Let's go get another job somewhere. Go get it. And so that is what I think about a lot. Hmm. Now, that's interesting. That shit is powerful because I think, and especially because I'm pretty early in my career. And even for me coming in, you put people on a pedestal, right? You'll hear about a certain CEO or like a founder, or maybe it's someone in the workplace that you work with. And you're like, I want to be like that guy. Or you're, and, and in your mind, you're, you don't even really think you can be. Like you kind of put them on a pedestal. You think they're like just different. And it's weird when, yeah, when you work next to them, like day to day, you slowly start to realize like, this dude's just figuring it out the same way everyone else is. Like he doesn't really know, or she doesn't really know what's going to happen. She's just figuring it out at each step. Yeah. But that shit is powerful because then it's, it clicks in your head. Cause you're like, I can do the same thing. Totally. And what is important though, is it, is it what you want to do? Mm. Right. That's a, a very, I think, important thing to get to. One of I, it just hit me. One of the big kind of, I would say, experiences where that what's a, there's a song, no role models, right? The only role model yeah. that I had as a, as someone growing up, it, it was kind of a rule. My dad was one of nine big family. Mm. We didn't really wear like sports jerseys of players. I was a huge Penn State fan. I went to Penn State, but I was a huge Penn State fan growing up. They had no names on the back. We didn't really like to wear other people's jerseys because it was like, wear your own jersey. Like, mm. you know, like, hey, you realize that what you're doing is you don't, you might not even know who this human is and you're representing who they are. But we love Joe Pa. Mm. Crazy. Joe Pa was like the best. And you remember this in sports, bro. He was like, God. Mm. He was, a, he fucked up too. Yeah. And so once that happened, I was like, all everyone's got this some shit. Why am I worrying about these people when you should just be worrying about trying to be your best self? And you got to have realistic conversations of what do I want to be doing? Is it feasible? Because it's very cute. And some someone can think about all the things I'm talking about and just sit here and be like, that's nice to say you have a good job and, da, 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 and you've gone through it. You also got to be realistic. Like I've done a lot of shit, a lot of shit for many years that people would not want to do that I didn't want to do. Mm. that I did because I realized it was going to help me get there on a path and also knowing it might not. And you got to be able to live with that. You can't be, I want to be Picasso and then paint two hours a week. That's also where most people get messed up. You want to be Bezos? Cool. Ask Bezos about his relationships, the friends he grew up, his probably his family, all the sacrifices he makes on every single day, not seeing people flying all over loneliness, da, 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 da. That's where also people get messed up. They want to be the president, but also mm. chill out all the time. Mm. You know, you know what's interesting? Because one of the people I definitely look to is like LeBron. And it's, I remember, I think I was listening to First Take and they were saying, this guy has literally been like the best basketball player for like at least the last 10 years. He's been one of the best for like basically his whole career, like 17 years, like he's in year 19 now, right? Yeah. And, and the thing is as well, I remember I was listening to a podcast where Alex Caruso, who obviously played with him in the last few years, he was talking about, they asked him like, what makes LeBron special? And he was like, that guy is so consistent. It's ridiculous. Like he's always the first one in the building. Like if you get in at like 5am, 6am into the gym, that guy's already been there and he's the last one to leave. And he does that every single day. 365 days a year, 19 years in the league. Like, I think it really goes to the point you're saying about you. You have to be realistic that if you want to be on that level where people are comparing you to like Mike, like the goats, 
it's like, like that. And I mean that everything down to like, bro, like I went out for two glasses of wine and a beer last night at 9.15 with my boy because he hit me and was like, let's do it. And it was on some yeah, like, yeah. life is short. Let's do it. But yeah, guess yeah. what? My performance was different from it today. And I can't sit here and be like, I want to be Bezos and then do that. Or I can't yeah. sit here and be like, I want to be LeBron. Yet have a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios every night at nine o'clock because that's what I'm doing. Or smoke a bowl and watch a movie. Like not judging either of those things, but both is where people get messed up. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Because I think I think one thing, um, especially when I look at kind of your story and you working with Gary, I think it could give a lot of people value. You spoke about, you know, they kind of invited you to play a basketball game with them. Okay, I, w- I want to take it even earlier than that. When you're really reflecting on it, why do you think they like asked you? Because I'm assuming there's so many, there's so many people. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, hospitality and service, right? I think that Gary does this like thumbs thing. I think that we, everyone would do well with thinking of themselves as being in service a little bit more. I think it's it's a humbling thing, and I love hospitality, you know, and and. What I mean by that is the customer is never wrong. Mm. And it it's a hard thing for a lot of people. It also flies in the face of being, how do you be selfish? How do you be all about yourself while just being completely and utterly of service to others? If you're a waiter at a restaurant, someone comes up, you put the greatest cheeseburger in front of them in the world mm. and they think it's overcooked. Guess what? It's overcooked. Mm. Right? Like you're, and, and I think that, was why it worked because the role that they were looking to fill was admin, like assistant. And I did everything to like, yo, you got to go drive two and a half hours, drop that thing off and drive it back. Hmm. No questions asked, done, boom. Yeah, there's like the whatever, but that's, I think, where it began and started. And I think that it's hard. We, with capitalism too, college, I speak to a lot of individuals, friends, younger brothers, sisters coming out of college. Everything is about money. I'm like, do the thing where you learn the most. Give. What mm-hmm. can you if you're if they're gonna if you're getting out of college, even now, like forty thousand dollar job with a college degree is like entry level, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, okay, punching above weight, how can I get more? Not money learnings, challenges, opportunities, things that are pushing me, right? Not comfy. So I think that that was it. I just view a lot of things through the lens of like, how can I do this for y'all? How can I do this for y'all? Because if you do that, I mean, we talk about karma as practical. Mm. That's what it is. What do you think? I'm just thinking about the kid that's, he's work, he's walking into his first job or like one of his first jobs there's someone there that he, he really wants to impress. He would love to work next to them. Or even let's say that he's out of, he's not even in the workplace. Like he's not even in the office yet. He's looking to like the Gary Vaynerchuk equivalent for him, like the business idol for him. Like I want to work next to that guy. Like that would be my dream. Like what are some practical, you spoke about being in service, which I think is great, but like what are some practical things that they could do where that person in the same way that Gary was like, oh, do you want to play like basketball, like pick up basketball with me and my brother? Like what would make? Yeah. So if I was, if I was either graduating college or and yeah. wanted a specific job for an individual or there's someone, a startup that I wanted to go work for, I would DM all the people, whatever, start at the top, hit people mm-hmm. and let them know that you are a fan of their work. Give them love. Hey, mm-hmm. I think what you're doing is really neat. It's inspired me. It's got me like really thinking about a lot of things. And I love to chat. I love to see if there's a way that I can be of help while realizing that even that is an ask. You got to try and again, get to the point of, hey, can I help you in a way where I can take stuff off your plate? While also remembering that even adding to your team, like if I'm a person and someone comes to me like, hey, I'll work for you for free. Nine times out of 10, their perspective is like, why would you not want me to work for free? Like I'm literally working for you for free. And then I'm like, okay, but I have to give you things to do. I have to then make sure that I'm mentoring you, make sure that I'm giving you feedback, what have you. So those things always have to be in mind. 
And then also realizing that it's a numbers game. What I mean by that is you should most, I mean, if you want something to happen, it should happen a hundred times. So that's also where people mess up. Having one person that you want to work for in the world, one person you look up to, sending them a couple notes, them not getting back to you and acting like you did what you should have done is not it. Mm. Hundred people, 25 respond, 25%. That's a crazy rate, right? Mm. So 25 of 100, then you get on with 25. Maybe 10% are interested in taking it further. That's 2.5 people out of 100 DMs, and those numbers are good. Mm. So uh, that's what I would say. But empathy is the most important thing. Even when people want to be of service, sometimes it's more trouble for them to bring you in. Yeah. And so you got to continue to put yourself in the other people's shoes. That's the best you know, way. You know what's funny? Because uh, this has been – what you said has actually been such a big realization for me like over the last – a year or two, which is even if I look at the founder of Otis, right, which is where I work, and you you just observe him, like he has to make so many decisions on any given day. So because I used to do the same thing that you were talking about, which is like, I'll just work for free. Like, isn't that the best deal ever? Like I'm smart, I'll like hustle and shit, like I'll work for free. But for them to have to make the decisions of, okay, this is what I'm going to get this person to work on and then prepare the work that's actually a cost to them. So essentially what I've realized you want to do, you want to look at their life and find areas that you can plug in and your unique skill set can help them out without them necessarily having to do anything because they don't want to have to make a decisions or manage another person. And it's funny because I was another guy I was interviewing and he works with this guy called Sean Puri. I'm not sure if you've seen him. He's, he has a pretty big podcast. And there was this person that reached out to Sean because uh, he wanted to work with him. And basically what he did is he made a website, like he's a designer. He made like a sick website for Sean up front. And then he showed him, like he paid for it. He had the hosting, whatever. He showed him the website. He was like, I can do the same thing for you. Because he kind of realized like Sean's website wasn't that good. And then that's kind of how the dialogue got started and that relationship kicked off. And um, even, I guess, to the next thing is that... No expectation yeah. is a, a very important part because even going with the site, and say, I think of it as creating as much serendipity as possible, right? It's not about getting the job with Sean. It's that if someone hits up Sean saying, do you know a good website developer? Your thing looks fresh. Yeah, this homie just did it for me. Here, talk to him. Boom. Now that homie can come in and say, hey, 10 grand. 15 grand, I'll do it for you on the light, right? The work for free thing is also about getting the reps. It's like a muse. I think about having a muse or I guess meaning having a job is the best thing because it gives you something, you know, to, to get better at and to, and to put the reps in. And so this notion of they pay me to do X transactional will always lead to transactional. I work for this company. I do these things. And these things that I'm doing, I'm getting to learn and get better and mess up and fail and be a part of that. That's also the value of, of a gig. And I think if you look at things that way, it just unlocks a lot of power. And what I mean by creating serendipity is, hey, I saw you're working on this. Can I help you? Boom, boom. Help. Now I'm out. Mm. Not I helped you. Now what? Mm. Because they'll remember that. And it's the same thing. People, you know, I, I meet a lot of people and I come in, I'm like, I have no intention. There's, it's about the fourth meeting, not the first one. Mm. And if you can get to the fourth meeting or you can get to four years or you can get to 10 years, you can build up leverage that mm. then can be deployed in a million different ways. But most mm. people take the chip off the table. And some me and Gary talked about for a long period of time, the same way, you know, look, you go 16 years we're programmed. If you graduate college, you've gone 16 years. Every year, unless you get it all Fs, you get a promotion and a raise, essentially, for showing up. Show You show up, you get a promotion and raise for 16 years, right? 16 grades, 12 of this high school, boom, 16 years. It's really hard to then go into the workforce and not think that just because you worked for a year, you should get 10% raise. And that's where it's messed up because it's like, then you get sucked into this whole, I showed up, Give me this. 
and it just isn't an empowering, I think, lifestyle. So me and Gary taught me a lot about that of like, can you stack chips? And I'm not full, I'm not against people uh, raise cycles, corporate, all that stuff. I just think what we're talking about from an inspiration perspective is like, it doesn't necessarily lead to happiness because then you're worried about 12% raise or 10% raise. And you can do that for 20 years and realize, damn, I never even did what I wanted to be doing this whole time. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. So like, when you mentioned that you were potentially going to go start like the Vayner office in London, and then Gary asked if you wanted to be his assistant, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that their dream job would be to be like Gary's assistant. When, if say that, like, let's say a hypothetical situation, like you asked Gary now, or maybe you have actually, like, why do you think he chose you? I know you mentioned being of service, but I'm assuming he has so many people like in his life that want that opportunity who have done shit for him. Like, why do you think that you were the one that-, that I don't, him? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a tricky question for me to answer, but I guess I would say context and continuity. You know, he is a very familial individual. He- immigrated from another country like he has real memories of living you know in a completely different type of government completely different type of world he has family that you know has been jailed for who they were at birth and he moved here with a lot of family he run you know he grew up working for his father he started his business with his brother like i think he likes continuity and family and all that and and we were that at that point based on my work with AJ. And so I think it was that. And, you know, his life is is crazy and hectic and there's a lot of personal and private and things going on. And there has to be such a high degree of trust there. So I think that's that's really what it was. I I don't think there's anything special mm. about myself in that regard. I, I really do chalk a lot of things up to right place, right time, serendipity in life. But when that occurs, there's a lot of people that are willing to say no or overanalyze or think that they are special and they out negotiate themselves versus just saying yes and thinking about the experience and the happiness before the 10% more money that they deserve instead. And there's many things that I could have done along the way that I even did along the way that Gary was like, bro, you should definitely rethink about that question that you just asked me because I'll give you whatever you want. But like, it's just short-term thinking. And so I really don't believe it could have been many other people. It's just about right time, right place. It was 9.45 p.m. when Matt DeMeo texted me to play basketball. I had to take a 4 a.m. train the next morning. Most people would say no because they want to get sleep because they have a long day tomorrow. I would never say no to opportunities. I do it all like, but why? Yeah, why? But a lot of people why do, bro. That? It's like, you know what I mean? Like people no, no, I don't I I get like I get that most people would be like I ain't waking up at 4 a.m. I'm I'm interested like why do you not say no to opportunities? Like why does that where does that even start from? Like where did that even come from? I think my just my my family, like my background. I I think I'm just fortunate. I think I was just born with a or or came in and was around just this immense level of curiosity in everything i just am generally curious about a lot of things and like find cool stuff i don't know i just have a very probably annoying level of positive pers- like an optimistic perspective and the only way to make stuff most constant motion leads to good shit it, not constant motion doesn't and there's also just a level of importance that we, myself included, and all these things that I say, I only speak from experience and everything that I'm saying, if it comes across as judging, it's because I've been going through it. We all think we're a lot more important than we are. Yeah. If you're going to, if you really, if you're looking for a job right now, if you're having a job negotiating, if you really believe the 3%, 4% money in a new job is going to change your day to day, I would just say it's not the right job for you. The happiness will end somewhere. I'm like, no, don't even ask. Prove it for 18 fucking months and then come to the table in a way that isn't like I'm asking. No, this is because it's mutual. Like, let's do this together as partners. You know, you seen what I just done, you know, but most are like, nah, 52, I want 55. 
we haven't even worked together, bro. We haven't, I'm like, this is the day one, you know? And, but again, I've been the person, I only say it because I was the, the dude being like, nah, 54 5. Like, you know what I mean? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I've just learned that it, I think about stacking chips on the table versus just trying to ante in every time. Yeah. Then I can come correct. Boom. You know what's, I think, because you were saying you're, you're, there's nothing in particular that's special. I'm starting to realize more and more when like speaking to more people, even for this podcast or even listening to other podcasts, one thing that's really difficult, because when you're, when you're a go-getter, there's a part of you that is kind of short term because like, it's hard to be so driven and want things and make things happen all the time. If you don't have a certain, like, I want it right now, but I'm kind of, I can kind of tell from listening to you, there's also a trade-off with like, you're building leverage. So it's not the second that you do something good, you're taking your chips off the table. It's almost like the celebrity that starts some bullshit NFT project. And it's almost like they're using their brand equity to take the chips off the table, but it's too early. Like there's not a, there's no long-term. Yeah. And the realest like, thing is like, can you build leverage with no, no real goal to ever pull it? Like there's many pull out, right? Like, all right, cool. Let me take a little bit off the table here. Like I've built that up. Like, boom, I feel good about that. I can sleep at night about that question, that ask, what have you. But I'm also someone that's never been able to answer the question of what do you, what do you want to be? Where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to achieve? My question, my answer was always in the game, in the mix. Like happy, like just, I don't know, being able to do what I want to be doing, being able to have the conversations I want to be having. All of this is said with like, I also am a white dude, like, and, and it's not the same. I, I've been given a lot of opportunity, but I think that you also have to create your opportunity by just saying, yes, you can either meet 10 people or you can meet two people. And if you're willing to meet 10 people and both are for you, you, you know, you get value out of 50%, that's five or one. I mentioned about some of the, like some of the lessons that you've picked up. What would you say? And maybe it could be a story of maybe you made a mistake or maybe you were doing something wrong. Like what's the, what's a piece of feedback that Gary or AJ like has given you and like, how did you kind of bounce back, bounce back from it? Yeah. It's, it's funny because I always am like, it's the, it's the real nail in the coffin type of feedback. It doesn't matter. That's right. Like, guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever mistake you just made in life, there's something that could be far worse and that's like not being able to make the mistake. And that's what is painful, bro. Like, do you know how people don't like Gary because of that right there? Like, bro, don't tell me my stuff doesn't matter. Don't tell me I'm going to be dead one day. Don't tell me this isn't important. But like, if you really go there, bro, whatever mistake you're talking about, whatever class you just failed, whatever test in two years, it's not going to matter that much. And if we just went through these last two years with COVID, bro. The people that never had COVID had one perspective. The day you caught COVID, your perspective was different. Again, I was that person. I caught it in January this year. I was like, oh, whoa. I was not thinking, I was not picking up what this whole thing was putting down. And so I think that that's really like, and I say, and I laugh about it because of the amount of times I've gone to Gary with some like real, like, yo, this has been eating at me for weeks. And it'll hit me with like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. And until you go through something that is a big deal, meaning health, like family, close friends, you realize, what are we talking about? You know, I think this is such an interesting conversation because it's what you're saying. It's about having perspective, right? But here's the thing, right? And, and I'll give a sports analogy. Like when you're in the game and you lose, that shit seems like the worst thing ever. Like even if you look last week, right? The NFC championship game, the AFC championship game. I'm assuming the day after like the Chiefs lost or the day after the Niners lost, that it probably felt to them like, especially some of the younger players, like the world is falling in, like, like, like Debo, right? There was a picture of Debo. He was like crying, right? And that's because he's in the game. Like he's- Gave it his all, and, like in yeah. the game, bro. And, and that's the thing. I'm like, how do you, like, how do you even get the, the perspective? Yeah. Like, how do you even still have that, that fire? That when you're in the game, you're like hurdling tackles, you're stiff-arming people. Yeah. And then when it's over and maybe it didn't go your way, it's like, uh, 
I have my kids, I have my parents, you know, I have a great life, I'm healthy, whatever. Like that jewel. Like, you know, bro, it's opposite. still, you know, I lost to Mountain Lakes my senior year of high school. I remember vividly certain plays at Itemi to this day. If I could go back and do certain things differently, sure. Yeah. But being able to play the game was a way better way to think about it. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay. And that's what's frustrating is because, like, I would literally go to G and it's like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm like, what do you mean it's not that big of a deal, bro? We just worked like for weeks on this mm. because it's always able to go to that perspective of like, what are we, what are we talking about? Mm. If you walked outside, tripped, broke your leg, had an infection, and they were talking about cutting your leg off, I'm sure that would go way out the window. Whatever you're caring about, mm. what's the name? Kirk? Uh, not was it? It wasn't Kirk. Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah. Now he appreciates the game on a whole different. He appreciates probably just being able to walk. And I, I think maybe Gary's yeah. superpower is like being able to recognize some of these things before it's too late. Mm. Most people are at the end being like, I wish I had that perspective or enjoyed it more. Now, Gary's the same dude that tells me like, yo, go have fun. Like, you should be enjoying this. It's not all that serious. Whereas I'm like, yo, this is matters a lot. Yeah. It's interesting because I think when you're when you're a go getter, you don't hear that much, right? And it's frustrating because why why are yeah. you telling me that? Yeah. I know people listen. It's easy for you to say, easy for you to say, easy for you to say. Mm. But yes. I know because I would think the same thing about him until you realize, like, but it it makes you powerful though, right? Because like even when you think about like one of my idols was always Kobe, uh, Kobe Bryant, and one of the things as a sports fan I love the most, especially with basketball. It's like, you know, 20 seconds on the clock. The clock's coming down. Everyone in the stadium's looking at you. You need to make a play. How in that moment can you be so present that you're just thinking about, you know, this defender setting this screen. I need to run around here. I need to get into this elbow jumper, pull up. Like with all the weight of expectation, how can you be in that moment? How can you be so like in the flow state is what they call it, right? And it's because of what you're talking about. It's because you don't actually need it. Totally. Like, the, 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 work, the work was way more important than the game to Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's just about being in the game. The only thing I want to do is be able to go to practice, not show up for the game type deal. And that's like, it, but it is like, oh, what do you mean it doesn't matter? What do you mean it doesn't matter? What was the deal? Didn't Kobe airball a game winner like to get knocked out of the playoffs his rookie year or something like that? Yeah, yeah his rookie, rookie year. year. Yeah. That could crush you. It could crush your mentality. Or you flip the perspective and be like, that was fire. I just had the opportunity to hit a game winner in my rookie year. Let's come back stronger next year. And it's crazy as well because it's like, who does that? Like, what rookie could you name today that's like trying to take the game winning shot? And he was playing next to Shaq, right? Who takes the, and I think he tried to take it twice or something. Yeah. And, and he's, <laughs> yeah, it's almost the way that I think about it. It's just the opposite of what people expect because whenever you start to talk about people you start to think about groupthink and then you lose individuality and there's a service of that i think you know like the whole covid things vaccine tricky do you, what do you do there's the selfish versus group like decision making and all that but again if you can attempt to do both and 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 your intents proper that's uh, there shouldn't be room for like debate in that regard like kobe taking the shot is like you're a rookie you're not supposed to take shots. Rookies don't take those shots. You give it to the veteran. Da 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 da. Mm. Kobe wouldn't have been Kobe if he did that. Yeah, he could still be good, but that's why he's Kobe. Yeah, it's like the audacity, right? Like yeah. to even do that. Now, um, is everyone going to be the most audacious person and run around? No, but like that's where you need to be also comfortable with. Hey, I don't need to be the president to be happy with my own accomplishments. Other people may judge you. Okay, cool. So I wanted to ask you about, because obviously you've worked with Gary for like a number of years as like his assistant, his right-hand man. I wanted to ask about the transition to working at 137 uh, PM. Like how did that, how did that idea first even come about? Like mm -hmm. how did it start? I, so we launched 137 PM, myself, D-Rock, Andy. It's kind of like a three musketeer kind of crew. That kind of came up as like a three-headed monster under Gary video logistics and kind of, kind of like production um, or, or just content ecosystem in general for Andy. We launched 1.37 p.m. It, it existed by and large to scale Gary, but it sat in another company. And the, the, the 
the the lead kind of editor in chief role was a little bit of a rotating chair, like when it got off the ground, because we just couldn't necessarily land the fit. And then about this time last year, and we were just spending time, like, hey, we got to find you know the lead person, we got to find the editor in chief, we got to find the lead person, got to find the editor in chief, and. I was kind of tasked with doing that and I met, I just kept meeting with people and something just kept eating at me. Like it's not, we're, I'm not going to be happy unless I do it with like the, the product, I guess you could say, or like it meant a lot to me, but I was like, um, that was the case. Like I, I was just like, I needed, I think I'm going to do this. And I picked up the phone and I called Gary and I was like, what about me doing it? And he was like, that could be interesting. Like, let's, let's talk about it. Let's have those combos. And that's how it went down, you know? And that's kind of whether it's the, the, the leverage, the chips on the table, like there was never like a, Hey, could you be the one to do it? It was just like, is that what you want to be doing right now? And so that's how it went down. And like, I don't, I sit here and at times, I mean, I'm like, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right move? I don't talk. I'm not as close to Gary anymore on a day to day. Like those questions definitely exist like anyone that makes big decisions in their life and like make changes and whatnot but by and large another thing was punch above the weight right like get out of any sort of comfort zone i I think i'm just generally attracted to that and it felt like the right challenge it felt like the right i'm gonna be in a whole new game and can i learn it and can i you know like grind and fight to to make it something that I'm proud of and matter and and we're we're almost there we're getting there it's been a year now of like really going at it in that year we've grown from 14 to 42 people so like I'm like <laughs> I've made every hire I had to let people go along the way management structure org chart everything I I've never I'm not a published writer I'm not an editor I haven't ran a newsroom a, you know a writers room before I haven't managed people that are running social. I've, by and large, it was me in service to Gary, and you know, I've con- I've, I've built out my own socials and all that. But this is a little bit of a different beast. So, just felt like one of those things that was like, yo, you're gonna wake up every day and be deep in a challenge, and I feel like that's the best place to be because you really, it's either sink or swim. And if you sink, that's all good. But those are th- those are like when you're really fired up, mm. and you're like pushing the limit. No, I respect yeah. that. Yeah, respect that. You're, you're finding you're t- out about yourself because that is maybe the thing. Maybe that's the hey, why I I, I want to challenge myself because maybe it's just a like long quest to actually understand what it is you want, taste more things, do more things. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's trying to put myself in as many positions where I actually learn if it's do I like that thing, do I not like that thing. You know what's um, interesting? I remember I was on a walk with my brother, like my older brother, and he asked me like, where do I ultimately want to go? And kind of similar to you, I was like, I don't really know. And I said to him, the only thing I said to him, I was like, I just kind of want to see how far I can take it. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you work for like a few years and then you have this weird feeling. Sometimes you'll look back and you'll be like, I can't believe I started from there and now I'm here. Yeah. I kind of just want to continue that. Like, I want to see how far yeah can it go go. yeah yeah and i i think there's something very empowering about that the the yeah it's the most cliche stuff like the journey is the reward and anytime you go like i want to get there i feel like it's kind of a sad thing because what if you do then what Maybe you reprioritize right but it's funny if you look at gary's content he doesn't talk much more about buying the jets Reason being is I think his goals are bigger. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I like that. Okay, I had a question for you. I've been wondering this. So your your position at 137 is general manager, right? Like that's yeah. the title. You're yeah. kind of like the CEO. Yeah. I know we're both like big into sports. Yeah. Like why is it why is it called the general manager? General like, manager? That, yeah. yeah. Because is that a sports? Is that like a thing? No, like, it's like, like a, let's see. G, general manager in business. I'm just going to look it up. It's It's kind of like... What does a general manager do? Effectively act as a scaled down CEO, overseeing okay. the daily operations of a business segment, department, or standalone retail location. But I very much think about it like a GM in sports. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I very <laughs> much do. Reason being is, look, you go from 14 to 43 people, you hire a lot of people. It's also the, the, the you know, when I talk about like negotiations up front, on an entry, you know, negotiations when you get courted, 
and you've been in the game for however many years, different beast, leverage, they come to you. You apply for a job that it's like a different thing, but maybe 50% of the people on my 43-person team do what they were hired to do. For me, it's a game of acquiring talent. There's North Star where we want to go. Get I want as many talented people on the ship, as many people that are willing to go outside their comfort zone, try different things, figure out what it is they're good at. Most people aren't doing the thing that they were hired to do because when they get on the team, they realize maybe their passion's different, right? They apply for that job because it was the one that was open. And then you find out they're really good at something else. I want you to be doing, my goal is to get as close to possible as people doing what they would be doing if they weren't getting paid. Especially in a media company, like it's built off of, we got to put out content that resonates with people. So it's really tough if you're only doing it to get paid. Your barometer needs to be bring value and enjoyment and education to people because that's what will resonate. So there's like a, a dance and that's what I think about general manager. I literally sit back. I'm like, okay, if we move this person here, boom, unlock them. They're struggling with this. It's not about they're bad. They're just in the wrong place. They're not enjoying themselves. Maybe the man, right? You don't, not, not every marriage works out. So not every manager and employee are going to get along. Not every employee and employee are going to get along. That's okay. It's my job to help facilitate. You don't need to have to be best friends, but if you can't work with each other in a you know professional, mature setting, you got, that's something else to figure out. But I don't need everyone to be absolute best friends. I'm willing to be like, all right, let's switch it around. Someone's a six man now. There's you know someone was the fifth man struggling. Six man, bang, they're popping. Right? It's like it's kind of the same thing. It's how how I think about it. Okay, now that's interesting. So obviously, you, you worked with you were Gary's like right hand guy, right? Mm-hmm. The transition to being general manager, you're now the leader. I, I remember there's, there's something my politics teacher always used to tell me about, like the president, mm-hmm. which is they have this sign on their desk. It says the buck stops here. Yeah. Like when you're the leader, it's like everything you're kind of, I think even Gary says this, you're responsible for everything. Yeah. Someone might have messed something up. You're the leader. It's Correct. you, you, you messed it up. So I'm interested. What has that almost, cause that's like a mindset shift. I, I mm-hmm. must think for you. What has that been? What have been some of the learnings that you've taken? It's, I think it's about the responsibility. I think the number one hardest thing, we always talk about like this triangle, like go down. Everyone thinks when, they, when they're the person, they're up here, whereas really you're down here. Like the, Gary says, you work for everybody. They don't work for you. Why should they care as much as you? You're the guy. If you're the guy, why is why should they work harder than you? Why should they care more for you? You're in service of them. My job is to empower every single person on the team more than they couldn't. I say, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Do you need more resources? Where are the pain points? What's happening? Not, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. And that's also counterintuitive, I think, to what you learn in school. And also like the, you know, don't let schooling get in the way of your education. Like your teacher's a human. It's just this, yeah, you think if you get a raise or a promotion, you're getting above people and pushing them down. Now they ladder up to you. No, it's actually the other way. You need to help more people as, as a leader. Like leadership's about, at the end of the day, being responsible for no matter what happens, not making everyone else responsible for it. I think that's always, those have always been my favorite managers, the ones that have the mindset that you have. Because if someone like goes out of their way to help you, you're going to give that back to them twofold. So yeah. everyone, everyone wins. And there's enough to eat. Like they're really, this abundance mindset is important. Even in a world where there's two, like, yes, it happens. There's one role and two people for it. One person's going to get it. That doesn't mean there's not a million other things out there. Okay, sweet. I just want to, I want to finish off by talking about your pod. Yeah, I know yeah. you, the smile instantly came on your face. Yeah, I know that yeah. you, you put a lot of work into that. Like, how did that come about? Yeah we sports cards we were in it it was before i moved over and took over with 137 p.m i love doing interviews and podcasts just like this stuff i I hosted something on my own that i call huh that was just like interviews and and that was that was that yeah we we decided and, and ebay was a client and friendly with us and they wanted to get something off the ground so they were a great launch partner and it was like, again, Gary, as a, as a leader, is like, you got to trust people. You got to default to trust. 
that's what happens. Again, fortunate and grateful. I couldn't have done it without the system that's around, but it was like, all right, you're good enough. You're good enough. And we brought in Ryan, who is uh, runs a shop out in Ohio for like real authenticity. He drives the ship. He's the real deal. Put it together and just started building and traveling and meeting people. And a podcast isn't, it only exists as a, to me, a vehicle to form relationships with people. And if you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't be doing a podcast. Podcast is pretty much to me like the breadcrumbs for when you're trying to like, you know, the pigeon lady in Home Alone, like the podcast is like giving out the bread, the pigeons come and then you actually got to jam with the pigeons like that isn't like here's the podcast, you know. So that's what that's what it's really about. It's mostly behind the scenes. People don't realize that it's like it's DMs, it's comments, it's going to shows, it's meeting people. It's And then that just compounds over time. A lot of people, even on my own team, content, right? The life cycle of a piece of content is not when you hit publish. That's when it begins. It's not when it ends. It's funny because I think one of the things, and I didn't even realize this before I started a pod, is like, let's say that I just DM'd you and I was like, oh, you want to jump on like a one hour call with me? I'm like 23. Like we can yeah. just chat. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. I ain't doing But you tell someone like, oh, I have a podcast. Yeah. They'll come on. And totally. it's like, it's. It's a, and then if you could get one, then the leverage of the names, like I got this person on, can you come on, blah, blah, blah. It's definitely one of the most high leverage things you can do. Bring awareness to people. I want to ask you questions. I want to tell your story. I'm going to follow up on it. But also then once you get, same thing we talked about earlier in the podcast, like constant action leads to things. I talked about it with my cousin this morning. It's actually very simple and binary. You're either in a state of movement and growth or in a state of decay and death more or less and i think podcasts are a form of momentum and growth like you have to people you're putting it out people are reacting to it they're going to tell you whether they like it or not you are willing to either deal with them or not build the relationship cool thank you now i know this human maybe i can do something for them maybe i can bring them value that's going to put karma out into the world i don't know i really okay final question i'm interested to hear the answer to this craziest like opportunity person that you've met through doing the pod like what Ooh, would that be craziest person i've ever met through doing the pod we did card talk too we are <laughs> keep calling it card talk too we did card talk live last year which was like a five-hour mega marathon where we just had all these guests on in a weird way i i, I that answer is tough for me because i don't uh, it, it comes off as like pompous but gary's about as big as of a star there is nowadays i mean He's like an older brother to me. So I don't, it doesn't impact me. And that's probably why I'm able to be in the position that I'm in. But like Steve Aoki, like obviously he's big into cards. Like I'm just talking about cards, random, you know, like about cards, not because it's Steve Aoki. And so I don't know. I think that that's the coolest thing is that is like 14 year old, 12 year old kids at shows that come up and watch it and like literally want to have a conversation with me about cards that if i'm i'm not lying that's the thing that excites me the most I, i've posted on my podcast on, or on my instagram i'm gonna see if i can pull it up but this is the best thing that's happened to me yeah that's dope man like this is like you know this kid is out here trying to learn business and entrepreneurship i'm sitting there having a bud light and like doing deals with this kid and he's like working me over that's like I'm like, this is the coolest. Listens to the podcast. Hey, what do you think? Give me feedback. Teach the kid. DM with him on Instagram randomly. So that's that's what I enjoy the most. That's dope. No, I like it. I'm like, just listen to you talk. I'm like, it's gonna be interesting when you go like 20, 30 years just to see just to see where everyone ended up. Like it's gonna it's gonna be right back right, right back at you, Brody. Right back at you, man. It's the same the same way I think about yeah, we we even when we first met, we've been on a couple of calls business-wise. It's just about one day at a time, man. Stacking the days. Stacking the days, making the relationships, showing up, being there for people, being able to help them out, following up on things, which is something I'm not the best at, being super honest. But you also got to realize who you are and be aware of your stuff. And as long as intense, pure. No, and I think it's so important, just the last part that you mentioned as well, because I think sometimes when you listen to people, it's like you think they're doing everything perfect. <laughs> And it's like, nah, like they do things that they forget to follow up with that person as well. It's just like, you just want to win the days, I think. Yeah. Like if you look back on the last few months, like 
did you win the majority of the days and then totally. stack that into years it's like uh, it's a long game and you have yeah. an accountable relationship with yourself on those things yeah right? don't, don't sit around say you want to go to the gym i've been that dude four weeks you want to go to the gym you want to go to the gym you want to go to the gym Write it on a write it down on a piece of paper, tape it up in front of where you look at it every day, sign it, I want to go to the gym, and then every day you're gonna look at it and be like, damn, I can't even be truthful with myself. How am I supposed to follow up on that business thing? How am I supposed to and that might even be like take out the trash every day, make your bed every day. I don't know. Though like, but you, you gotta start somewhere with having some form of accountability with yourself and then you can just dominate everything. Hundred percent, man. Okay, I, I I love it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Thread. Please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps me grow the pod. Also, let me know who you'd like to see come on the podcast next. I'm Callum. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you on the next one.